0: are back, the backdoor cut, episode 5, from all different corners of the world, I'm in an Australia and then the two boys in the respective counties at home Lads, what is the story, what have we been up to, What silly season been like, and uh, yeah, how are we going?
1: Yeah, good to be back, good to be back, um, had a good Christmas, and quiet enough actually, compared to well, as quiet as Christmas is going like, there's still a couple of nights out, got the... Got, uh, a chance to let the herd down, um took a couple of days off training. But uh no, it was good. Good Christmas, recharged, ready to go again for the new year. And uh, what about yourselves?
2: Yeah, same as that I suppose. Um not in a massively different position, I suppose, probably to the last time we were speaking. Um training wise, just tipping away at rehab and stuff. Um obviously been away in Bali and stuff since that you've probably Everyone listen's probably seen enough of that and heard enough of that at the stage, but um nah, just looking forward to it's good to be back on here too and back in a fucking routine, I suppose, after Christmas. Christmas is good and all that, but um I suppose nothing beats just being in a routine and probably pushing towards the football side of things, especially.
0: It's tough like getting out of the routine, I, I find like I found over the years trying to get into a routine over Christmas is actually beneficial. Even in terms of like sleep schedule, getting up, getting some training done, getting a walk in, getting some activity done. Obviously, it's important to switch off from work and switch off from the business. But when you're an entrepreneur, that can be tough as well. Um, when did we all have the want to go back doing a bit? And when did we all get back to doing a bit? I'll start with you, own first.
1: From a work perspective or from training or
0: what? Or well, let's go both.
1: Both. Um training ways I did a few bits and pieces. Um the uh, I trained a bit on Christmas Eve, took Christmas Day off, Stephen's Day, Boxing Day, Did we played a wee bit of a game at the club like so did a bit there. Um I think maybe had a day or two off after that. I think that's, I felt like sick again the day after, but anyone there I've been drinking for fucking four days, like. Um so I had an extra couple of days to, to get myself back around again. Um work ways, coaching ways, uh Still posted every day like. Um didn't want to break the streak there. I actually fucking missed uh Boxing Day, Stevens Day, wherever we missed them from. Um keep everyone happy here. Um I missed that, it was raising a bit, but uh I get dipped back in 20th, eighth, twenty and then from the second I was it was back in through steam like. Dara? Yeah, I so suppose simple
2: enough. Um I always enjoy just kinda of getting bits of training in over Christmas simply because I know I'm gonna be ripping the hours out of it when it comes to alcohol, so it makes you feel a wee bit better about yourself but definitely enjoyed that just switch off time and it's something that i've kind of been really trying to improve it probably over the last three or four months to be honest it's just actually switching off because in the past i would have thought it was and i 100 percent wasn't It's, it's very hard to i suppose take your mind off business one but also football like you're nearly always just thinking about the future and 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 you know the season coming up, or whatever games are coming, and you know how the injury is, all that type of thing. So probably just trying to do things that forced you to like take your mind off that side of things and and business as well was good. Um, but then again, when you, I do find when you really go to like far down that, I suppose switch off route, you it, it takes a bit of, a bit more effort to get back into it. Then in January, and I did struggle big time to to get back into routine, especially with sleep and stuff. Um, when you get into the habit of kind of letting it slip a wee bit, it, it, it definitely becomes difficult to get it back. But um, no, I kept a good routine of training in some capacity and then I've kind of ramped it up now over the last couple of weeks.
0: You've both touched on training there as well as alcohol and you're both dealing with chronic issues at the moment. <laughs> Did you notice anything around like alcohol intake and then your symptoms in the couple of days following? Um, and if so, then how did you go about managing it?
1: Uh, I, I try to think. There was no, there
0: was no massive
1: intensity to the work that I did over Christmas. Like, played the game of the club, and like it was, you know, it was one or two, but it, like bursts in it, like nothing really massive. But got through the session, like got through it all right. Did a wee bit of running with it, and it was grand. Um I think in the days after, if I can remember rightly, probably a bit more pain, like. Um, but I hadn't been sort of in full training and I wasn't in full training until a couple of days after that then. So um a wee bit niggly at me, but nothing out of the ordinary, I suppose. But there's been times I know what you're, like there's been times after a game and I went drinking after a game, woke up the next day, I felt as if a fucking car hit me like so uh, no, I know I know the feeling like I know what you're all about. it. I definitely not even just
2: the Christmas, but over probably the last year I've definitely experienced like when i go out drinking and properly go out drinking my injury definitely flares up a wee bit more and i think it's it's something that's actually been researched as well just like the the role or the the impact that alcohol has on inflammation in the body and when you're trying to rehab tendons or the aponeurosis that i have that i have um it definitely causes more inflammation in that area so i kind of I kind of knew that around christmas and i was kind of trying to plan sessions so that i was completely off the day after i was drinking or the two days after it was low days um but 100 there's an impact and that goes back to even anyone who's tendonitis i suppose or like in hamstrings ankle, or achilles knees whatever um alcohol definitely has an impact and when you're when it gets chronic um i think it, it's, it's a Big benefit to to reduce it
1: as much as you can, and I've noticed noticed it. I'd say I'd say all the red and you were probably didn't help either. All that nights out. <laughs> <laughs> Lad, that actually has a big
0: mate. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> I've done I've done that one. Um, so since the last podcast aired, what's been our experience of the podcast like? What surprised everyone the most about it and and what's been maybe the most common feedback that you've been getting from friends from listeners from (laughs) your followers etc
2: i suppose i haven't i'd be honest i haven't had a massive amount of feedback i've had different messages and stuff in q a boxes and stuff like that and then a few direct messages just from, from followers mainly um the friends wouldn't really like to give you any credit, so that you don't get it too much from that that avenue. But um in terms of followers, like just just a different outlook and, and opinions from I suppose players who are involved in the inter-county setup is, is something that you don't hear that often. I think we've spoken about that before, but um I think people just like to hear what Real stories and real, I suppose, outlooks in terms of like what you actually go through in a season, and especially on the injury side of things, like the struggles that, that you experience throughout the year. Um, I suppose as, as most followers would probably only really see what goes on in the pitch. Um, and then maybe in terms of my stuff, what goes up in my stories, but not I suppose the nitty gritty of of the shittier side. I suppose of of county football. I think that's kind of been some of the feedback I've been getting.
1: Yeah, similar to that. I've been getting a few messages and whatnot. Um, a few, like clients are all enjoying it. Um, even teammates as well. I've actually been getting a good few comments from teammates. They're all asking when's the next one or who have I got on and um, what's the story with it. And they actually seem pretty invested, like, and it's all been pretty positive. Um, surprisingly, they must be they must just be saying that they must be telling me the truth, like, because I haven't got any slagging for it yet. Like, <laughs> but um, no, it's been all very encouraging. Uh, I think people enjoy getting an insight and. I think the way we sort of talk about things as well, we'll be pretty open about it, and we'll, we'll we'll just kind of say how it is as well. Um, And I think people are kind of refreshed to see that. And I think from a social media standpoint, like, you know, everything you see is 20, 30 seconds clips these days. I think people actually want to get to know people in, in, in depth, I suppose. And, um, you know, if we're sitting chatting for an hour every episode and have guests on chatting for an hour, you get to, you get to know that person a lot more. So uh, I'd say they're looking forward to that as well, like, and, yeah.
0: I thought it was pretty interesting and quite surprising, to be honest, that we cracked into the Irish top 50 podcasts um, with only four episodes. Like, I think it was even in our first or second episode, we were in there and we were going up the ranks and, like, not even to be in pigeonholed into sports and fitness, but, like, in just podcasts flat on Spotify to be up there was pretty monumental so that kind of shows that people are enjoying listening and then there was loads of people sharing it on social media as well which was was really good really good because it showed that they were seeing value in what we were putting out and they were wanting other people to benefit from the value of the conversations that we're putting together as well so obviously maddie's episode was our biggest who are the standout people that were looking to get on in what we can call probably season two, I guess. Who are the dream guests for Bote? I'm
1: going to say.
0: I'm to <laughs> Did you
1: say Clifford? <laughs> that's a, no. I was going to say the same. Um, probably him. After seeing. I watched that. Uh, it was the GA roundtable. Uh, after seeing Jeremy McConnell and that, that's like, kind of want to get him on. He'd be called, I think. Um, like how he operated on that um i'd say oh. a few for a few stories as well like even him, him going to boston that too yeah. it would be class to chat about it. um and then who else would that there? yeah there's i'd
2: like to probably get Go. different avenues as well from um not just players but also like coaches um both in movement, in speed, in nutritionists, that side of things as well, and just get so many different... Because, like, real conversations between, you know, a nutritionist and a player is, not, is another avenue that people would like to hear from and probably haven't heard much about. Um, because you can only talk about so much to, I suppose, other players and past players as well. And they're also unbelievable conversations, but you mightn't go down as many avenues as you would with, you know, different... Um, experts in different fields, I suppose. Um. So, yeah, probably like to delve into different areas. Yeah, I think coaches would be good is there. That, you, I
1: think you mentioned maybe Geyser, Peter. i got to be an interesting one. <laughs> it'd be a fucking intense, but it'd be,
0: it'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. It would be. Are we all making a conscious effort, I guess, to have a very real conversation? Because you've both mentioned that a couple of times there. Like, is that what kind of content you guys want to put out are the real authentic conversations that you would have in general I guess I think it is I guess
1: letting the guard down and just being you know not worrying about it going out as a podcast just having a conversation like um, definitely from my experience with Matty's one like I was I wanted to speak to Matty to get as much knowledge of him as possible to help myself so I was just sort of like asking the questions that I wanted to know which I'm sure other people are probably asking as well Um, so yeah I think it's almost like that's the whole point of the backdoor cut that's like you know behind the scenes kind of um, how you would sort of chat if you're sitting having a coffee with someone like so I definitely think that's the the way we should operate it like
2: yeah I think you need to I think real conversations and actual honest opinions between both the positive and the negative side of of what's going on is 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 something people want to hear and something people can actually relate to that's probably the biggest thing like you know no one wants to hear people come on and just you know blow their own trumpet and just talk like a fucking robot either like so um yeah you have to be i suppose a bit vulnerable when you come on here and then um again people people will be able to relate to that and and gain something from it
0: i think it was alan murdoch messaged me after he listened to maybe the first one maybe the third one it was definitely one with the three of us only on it and he was saying it's good to listen to people on a podcast just having conversations and not trying to sell you something all the time um so people are probably wondering as well what do we all gain out of the experience of podcasting and it's obviously a big challenge in going out and putting some stuff out there and we've talked about what we want to portray and give to the audience people are probably thinking though. They're getting something out of it. So, what do we all get out of this experience? Owen, we will go to you first. Yeah, it's
1: think it's connections, the main thing. Like it's enjoyment too. Like I generally enjoy coming on. Um, like I was torching us there the fucking WhatsApp last week, being like, "Let's we need to get this up and running here." Um, Pete split the knee down under, and Darv is trying to head in Bali there. I was stuck fucking in Belfast, going, "You've all left me here." Um, but no, it's like it's genuine enjoyment. You're you know you're passionate about something you're interested in something like we've, we've so much we've so many areas that we talk about so many topics that we talk about and um i think a lot of you know sometimes in your friend group you're, you're you're not able to have the same sort of conversations because people are all off doing different things and have different interests but when you you know we're three like-minded people here um, we get to sort of cliches and, and chat to each other and have good conversations and then you know, any of the guests that we have on, we're going to have some sort of similarities and some sort of similar interests with them. So um, I think it's just a deeper level of conversation, picking each other's brains, having a bit of crack and uh, yeah, just doing something fun and enjoyable, something fresh.
2: Yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the main ones is just the actual enjoyment side, side of it. Um, as an online coach, you can be stuck fucking just looking at a laptop in your house for large parts of the day and it's not the most fun thing in the world. Um, so pure enjoyment is probably one and then just learning as well like it forces you actually think a wee bit more about what you're talking about um, which I suppose forces you to actually learn it better as well um, because you're talking to people who understand these things and are also learning about them and probably have new ideas that you can learn from so that side of things is brilliant um, but yeah I suppose to you, you, you get you get messages out there as well to those who are followers followers that you can't get across in 30 second reels um i know you met you touched on it but like instagram and tiktok it's going the way now where a lot of your posts are probably just trying like a lot of them's trying to get engagement with with most of them like and most people out there now is trying to get engagement so like you're not having those extended conversations where people can actually learn from so i think that's definitely one of the main benefits that other people are getting from it but it also allows us to probably portray our knowledge
0: a wee bit better And I think there's a couple of different avenues you can go down when podcasting as well. Doing it for its own sake and for your enjoyment in it allows for a little bit more creativity and allows it to be a higher standard too because you're not doing it for the likes. You're not doing it to get listens. You're not doing it to sell ads. You're not doing it to sell products. You're just doing it because, as Tui said there, there is an overall vision of trying to bring knowledge to a wider audience but we're going to do it in a way that we want to do it so in a real authentic and refreshing way and we're going to have a bit of crack while we do so I suppose which is number one and Owen's just touched on there slagging both of us off off for being off on our travels over the last uh, few months although I think when we were originally trying to record more episodes Owen was over in Portugal by himself as well so he doesn't have a leg to stand on there what was the trip to Bali like, Dara? What did you learn from that experience? Because I know Owens on Tender Hooks uh, trying to figure out whether his next move is going to be over to Bali himself.
2: Ah, oh, like in terms of what I learned, it was it, it a lot of things to be honest. Um, the the life that you're able to live over there is just is incredible. Like in terms of, there's not many things. It it nearly ticks every single box except for. Not have, not being able to play Gaelic football, <laughs> to be honest. Like, obviously, weather is one thing. The productivity that you you can achieve over there is huge. Um, when the weather's good, when you've like-minded people around you, like literally, you know, business owners all over the place. Like, you go and you work in like in wee places that have just people all around you with their own businesses. You're having conversations daily. Uh, the food's unbelievable. Um, and then the gyms as well are just next level. Like, so, um, it's basically just a way of optimising what you're doing for a small period of time. Um I, I have thought about it, like would I want to go and live there for long term? Probably not because of the football side of things. Um if I was injured for the next six years I probably would, but um uh, and it's it's a brilliant, I suppose, opportunity that we have as coaches working online to go over there and to be able to do that. And you also, you know, you have the advantage as well of not having Constant conversations about about football or about the injury or about you know training or life or anything, um, you're nearly just in your own wee bubble. So that side of things was good, um, and it kind of opened my eyes as to what what is actually out there because you you always have these ideas of your head. Oh, I'll be brilliant to be away in a hot country and living up, but um, I think Bali really like epitomises that and um a lot of people like a lot that's why there's so many actually out there at the minute and um, because it is it is a place where you can actually dial in big time and improve so many areas and i i definitely like in terms of the business over there it was probably the most growth i had because i was nearly locked in every day getting up early training when i wanted to train and um, so yeah i suppose loads of learnings
0: Hey, I'm dying for a conversation about football over here. There's, there's no one wants to talk about football or Ireland. Um, did it change at all how you perceive or how you think about the GAA? Did it make you value it even more that you were away from it for such a long period, I guess? Uh, I'm
2: not sure if it's, I didn't really think massively about it when I was over there because football wasn't really going on back home when I was over there. I think it'd be a different story if I was over there in March April time and I was watching games every single week and friends playing football week in week out. I think it'd be a different story then but um I I I did have a drive and I like I want to come home come the end of it to get back and, and to start into a training plan that actually would progress me to play um when I do come back home so I suppose in a way it kind of did but um I wouldn't say it massively, you know, I wasn't thinking I wasn't really thinking about Gaelic football overly much when I was
1: out there. So
0: um yeah. Does that tickle your fancy at all on does
1: it? Yeah, I think you really started describing it at the start there. It's like, right, I need to get the I was in my head, picturing the calendar, it's like where can I go this year? Uh what stage of the year can I go at? It? And um well, it's Kevin, he's well, way over the uh, he's in his to Australia Australia. So um, I think I might have to head head uh that direction, come the come the winter here, and go over and see and see what the crack is. Um, yeah, definitely. It's been I've been thinking about it long enough. I've been texting previous a bit. I suppose so. I'm gonna have to <laughs> gonna have to go with some stage. There. Yeah.
0: One of the drawbacks, though, to being here in the summer, and it might not be a drawback for you lads, um, because you'll be wanting to switch off. I guess if you did come down here, is it's impossible to watch a match like. <laughs> Because like, it's summer here So it's like cricket season So there's nothing really going on In terms of NRL In terms of AFL It's all pre-season at the moment So there's no games If you want to watch Premier League Or you want to watch a football match Or a rugby match Or whatever You have to get up a crazy o'clock To watch it Um all there is to watch here is maybe tennis um you can catch a little bit of the golf but it's all at regular hours and it's something that i'm definitely missing because i'm catching up on highlights for the club all ireland at the moment um whereas if i was at home i'd be tuned into tg car watching them like or wherever they are rte as well is that something that you would be missing in your lives if you did move abroad especially at the age that you're at because you are pretty young in your careers and there are pretty high profile players who have taken breaks from football and moved abroad is it something that you'd ever think about or is it something that you don't think you'd be able to do
1: yeah i've definitely been thinking about it like um in short, and all the trips i've sort of been on have sort of been short enough stints like um two weeks sort of jobs and if i go away for two weeks i can depending on when it is it can nearly enough switch off from it. Uh, I think the summer there I was away in America and Canada and I can when I was away I missed the club championship game but yes, yes it was on fucking I was on Twitter and I was re- it, refreshing the scores and all that. But um I think at the stage of the year I was I was I was buzzing to get away from it to be honest. Um I was always kinda of not glad I was away and I definitely wasn't glad I was missing anything but it was refreshing to get away and it's kinda of like fuck, life still goes on here like right? um but when I get back then, and when I'm thinking about it now, I'm trying to work out the date so I don't miss anything. I'm like, all right, I don't want to miss it, miss it again. Do you know what I mean? But I think my fear is like if I go away and commit then it long term, it's like, and I'm not playing. Does business suffer? Does your reality sort of suffer with coaching and GA? Um, that's my biggest concern, biggest, biggest thing probably hold me back from going like to be honest um, I like think if it was general coaching and wasn't coaching GA players I'd be I'd, I'd probably have committed to going away somewhere for, for an extended period of time but that's probably the biggest thing holding me back
2: I've actually thought about it a bit more in the last in the last probably few months since I did go to Bali and as, a, as uh, having your own business I just don't know if it's worth it to go and live somewhere like Australia for a year or two for, not only for that reason but also obviously being away from football so I nearly prefer just the thought of staying at home playing football for 8-9 months of the year and then heading away off for 2-3 or three months to Bali and then dipping over to Australia and doing bits of travelling here and there so you're, you're experiencing it as well um, and then because what we do is help GA athletes back home so you kind of want to stay in the loop as well um, and I'd probably also like to get bits of in-person coaching done you know whether it's one to one, whether it's small group, whether it's your teams. Um, so I think we're blessed in that we can have that balance. So, do we really need to go and live away for two years? I'm not sure. I don't know if the grass will be greener, um, for someone like us. But, um, that's kind of been my thought process on it over the last couple of weeks. I
1: think that is a
0: hundred percent.
1: Definitely, deep down, I can I can sense that. Like, I definitely, you know, would go away, would enjoy it. And then, like, after a couple of weeks, it'd be kind of, like, right, rather get back home again. Um, I think the, It's like the off-season every year. Yeah, you get to the end of the season, you're going, I can't wait for a fucking break here. And then after three weeks, you're going, fuck's sake, when's is not back here? I can't wait to get back at it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah.
0: That's been the major question you've been asking, definitely me anyway, and you, you've been keen to pick our brains over, I suppose, Owen, has been, has the coaching or the business... Been impacted at all negatively or positively as a result of the travel? Like, and Dara, I'll go to you first. Like, the positive aspects by the sounds of things were like your engagement went up, you're able to dedicate more time to the service of the coaching, so you were able to potentially level up the service and deliver a better service. So, what were maybe the drawbacks then to moving abroad in terms of trying to grow and improve what you're doing and how you're working with athletes?
2: drawbacks mainly was was how much content in terms of how i I was able to produce in terms of what i could relate to ga obviously you know you've no gaelic football pitches out there you've no you've no i suppose people that are also playing ga out there to i suppose have conversations with and stuff like that um that was probably the main one um but i was only there for a couple of months so I, i wouldn't say there was a massive amount of drawbacks i'd say since it was like something kind of new and what i was doing was a bit different people were very engaged but i reckon if i if i went out there and just said i'm living out there away for two years people would probably get very sick of looking at that and be like well fuck him um so they'll do they'll say that (laughs) anyway (laughs) there fuck him a wee bit more um but but uh no i wouldn't say there was massive massive drawbacks as i mentioned like the business Daphne. I was able to give so much more back because i had more energy each day I had more time each day um but again i've i knew i was only there for a couple of months so i think that probably helped me i don't know how I'd, i don't know how i would be if i knew i was living there for a year or two like it might you know it might be a wee bit different um but the content probably was one of the main ones i think maybe that's different in australia i'm not sure but definitely in bali you're, you're a wee bit more limited i think
0: there are a number of different ga clubs here and i've been actually when i came out i was speaking to a a lot of uh, gay football players and coaches and whatnot and there are opportunities to coach and what and, and that but i don't think that's like the reason i came out i suppose was to stop coaching as frequently in person as i was with teams I Still do miss the in-person, but I had one of my athletes down here recently and I did an in-person session with him And then I did one um, with one of my mates there recently too and I've had a bit of interest in Mainly on pitch speed change of direction game speed type coaching One thing I will say is since I came down here and it maybe it's a case of not just coming down here But transitioning things fully online from the hybrid model. I was running the online is way better and I'm delivering a way higher standard of care now than what I was at home because I have more time to dedicate to it as well as that I'm way more efficient because I know you were slagging me earlier, Dara, but like I'm up to start work. i would start work at six. I'm up at five and then my clients are awake from say 6 a.m. to maybe 11, 12. But then by the time they go to bed, I get some like... Quality time for some deep work to get stuck Mm -hmm. into things Into programming, into assessing video And then I get back to them then Whereas I found when I was at home If I sent them a message i get a message straight back And then you know as a business owner And like trying to deliver the same standard of care to everyone You should probably leave that for another 12 hours But when you get a message back You are inclined to try to message them back As soon as you possibly can as well So it interrupts like um yeah. your flow of how quickly you're getting through work so i think the standard of maybe the the return to play and the rehab online that i've been delivering since i came down has improved and uh, no end really and then It's only the 18th of January, so I think clubs were back maybe last week, the week before, into training. Um, And I've spoken to a couple about going in and taking a couple of sessions. So I'm excited about that because I get a little bit of what I'm missing, I guess, which is the in-person team coaching. But for sure, I think, like, assessing the last few months and moving down here, I think it's been a net positive for the business, really. And it's kind of showed me that, like... I could just go on the individualized side and not go with teams, but it also showed me I actually do enjoy working with the teams. I probably just don't need too much of a good thing. Probably need to dedicate my time to one team and then uh, try and scale the individualized online, um, like game speed, rehab, RTP side of things a little bit more. So that'll probably give you a fair reflection of what it's like on. Yeah. And then I was speaking to you about how The safety net of the team's now gone. It puts the pressure on, which is a good thing to try to scale the business and deliver a higher standard of care so you can get more people in and the business continues to grow and improve. Um, But yeah, sometimes taking away a safety net can be the best thing for a trapeze artist. So hopefully it's the best thing for me as well. So the new year is rolling in. We've all set goals, I'm sure. I wanted to pick your brains on goals from an athletic sense from a business sense and from a personal sense as well did we have a process as how we set our goals and are we open to sharing some of them maybe we'll go on first because you've been quiet for a while
1: yeah on the percent um yeah when like i fucking love goal setting um in the past like probably would have been guilty of setting those goals planning those things but not actually fucking follow through enough um but yeah, just as I was getting towards the end of the year process was the last couple of years, we kind of followed the same sort of process and looked at the same kind of key areas. Um, But what I found recently is like, I might have had like five areas that I looked at, basically the five A's. I learned it from Dan McCaffrey, who learned it from Paul Moore, who learned it probably from someone else. But it was like uh, fitness, finance, family, focus and fun, um, and looking at it, goals in each area, and you were sort of coming up with targets and like metrics and whatnot they were looking at different areas that way um and i enjoyed that and i enjoyed looking at it but then i sort of felt like there was too many things to focus on things would get sort of pushed to the side and you would have focused on maybe like two or three main areas and that always just came back to like performance training and uh, business and then sort of like personal life anyway and um, so that's been more of the focus recently and um, so i suppose the process has been like you know what went well last year and uh, what didn't go so well why why did it go well why did it not go well use that information to plan ahead for this year and then I suppose the big thing for me obviously if business goes or training goes but the big thing for me this year is like personal growth, personal development um, which is year on year been improving but I want to have more of a deliberate focus on it this year and um, personal standards you know I'm a fucking her for going on Instagram and just scrolling like so. Um, app limits on, app like blockers on, phone away during the day, and got these noise blockers on just to zone in, can't hear anything, just get stuck the work, blanking. Um, you know, productivity less time on the phone. Even uh, you see me in the cold dips as well, like so. Um, yeah, I'm fucking. I'm I'm going full. Uh,
0: I'm full guard That's it, full <laughs> <I'm> guard <going. laughs>
1: he's, he's, he's gone to reversal, he's going more films and more Netflix I'm fucking going the other
2: way. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're me this time last year for fuck's sake. Project, Project F- I,
1: 75 uh, hard. I, I've, <laughs> I've kind of talked, what's that? 75 <laughs> hard. Me and Andy, me and big Andy for silly, best mates. We'll get him on the pod. Um,
2: <laughs> Thank you, go. yeah. big team. I, I suppose, I kind of did a post on goals. Um, I find a lot of people get hooked up on these big massive goals with no actual process or or anything to to get them there, so like having a big goal of you know i don't know making so much money or 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 goals in terms of you know winning championships like that's not massively yes, I suppose earnings and stuff can be slightly in your control, but it's what you actually do in your day-to-day life, you know, what habits have you got in place that are going to actually push you forwards closer to that goal? So I know I did the thing of ins and outs. So like for me, something that I've been trying to do recently is like, what can I add into my day and what can I take away from my day? That's going to push me towards the so-called bigger goals that I've, I've set out. Um, I also, I set I remember setting goals last year um, and I did it in a Google doc in my laptop. And I honestly didn't look, open that doc until about a week ago. So like there was goals in there. I had achieved, you know, four or five and there was four or five and that I, I didn't even remember. So something I've changed up this year is doing out a vision board and actually having it in front of me. So I see it there. Um, but on the vision board, having things that are related to what you're doing in your day to day life. So whether it's, um, as Owen is doing, getting into a, you know, a cold tub in the mornings, um, that was going to, that's going to set him up for having a productive day. Um, whether it's sleeping seven to eight hours every single night whether it's having a set nighttime routine that you you do every single day whether it's journaling and making sure you journal every single day and you don't miss two days in a row you know small habits like that um and then you know nutrition goals in terms of um i suppose trying to focus more on on, on higher quality foods reducing certain foods that you know don't agree with me um i'm kind of going down that more approach now of the smaller the smaller goals day in day out and, and hoping that they actually push me towards a bigger goal but then obviously not getting too attached to that bigger goal either um it's about how close can i actually get to that um if i achieve it happy days if i don't i'm a lot closer to achieving it so um that's 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 the way i i've been looking at it
0: i yeah i'm 100 percent on board with both like in the past i've tried division board i didn't actually Enjoy it that much, to be honest. I thought having it that present made me too attached to it and too overcome by it. I know that it's influencing your actions throughout the day. So, what I did last year, I think, kind of worked a little bit better, where it's more similar to what you said, secondly, there, Dara, is setting annual goals that are specific and measurable first, and then off the back of that, setting quarterly goals. to achieve the annual goals and then off the back of that, setting weekly goals based off the quarterly goals and then setting uh, daily kind of habits and processes and kind of non-negotiables that I should be doing and, and will be doing if I want to achieve those overarching goals and then just leaving the annual goals and not looking at them again until the at the end of December of the following year. And that's when I assess it, only assessing per quarter from there on out and seeing how I go um and i did that last year in terms of business only and then this year i went and i did it at business and uh, personal as well like so i think my approach is very quantitative it's very like numerical like i want to go to this many uh concerts or i want to go on this many trips or i want to um even from a business sense, it might be I if I want to achieve the overall income goal, as you said, Owen, then I should be reaching out to this many people per day, per week, because then that results in this many conversations and this many conversations with this percentage leads to this many sales. Um, so it's very process oriented, but I think it kind of allows me to just become good at my habits and know what's going to lead me to um achieving the goal and then actually be able to measure like okay did i achieve that no why did i not achieve it did i do all of these things that were going to lead to it and then it's obviously basic in terms of if you're not doing those things you can't complain that you didn't achieve your goal um and i think it works in personal life as well i think it works in a in like your athletic endeavours as well an athletic career too And from the conversations I've been having over the last three weeks It's all been about goals with athletes And I find that They're very vague with their goals Like and when you push them on it You're like yeah. how are you going to measure that It's like oh I want to I want to get uh, um Enough game time this year um In the starting 15 And I'm like okay what's, what's enough like I don't know you know I just want to be there or thereabouts. I'm like, how are you going to measure success or failure if you're just there or thereabouts? What's that mean? Like, um, so I think goal setting is a really effective skill for not only like performance, but for like your life as well. Like, and I think that's probably the benefit of having a coach. Like, um, do you ever reach out to mentors in terms of what's an achievable goal for you, own? Um, and like what has been their advice to you, I guess, and what advice would you give to athletes that you're working with? Do you go to those five Fs or do you go with something more basic initially?
1: Um, I think it's a good... I think the five Fs is good to give you sort of an idea and a structure of like what they kind of look at. Um, but more recently, like even at, uh, every year, I have a call with clients and um, we have a couple of people here in the year two and three who have been there for the couple of calls and they love it. But then... I've kind of I've said I've also said to them as well. Listen, I've slightly changed what I'm doing here. If you want to keep going with that, like far away, um, but then I've kind of just sort of honed it in in, in, in different areas and kind of got more specific. Like yes, it's easy to throw in a big goal, um, in terms of setting the big goal and going the mentors about that. Like from a business standpoint, it's like fucking you know as as Dar says, like aim for aim for it as high as you can. Like and if you if you fall slightly short, then you're you're a lot closer to what you were. And um, like my big goal for last year, I failed just shy of it, but. Being just shy of it was a fucking unbelievable spot to be in, like. So um I was happy with that, like So um I think it's 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 fucking aim high, like, go for it, but then also have a plan in place. Like, you know, when you just have this massive goal and you're looking at it, you're going right you're you're almost like paralyzed by it you're going like how the fuck do I get there whereas when you set that massive goal and as you say pick you work backwards like the exact same way you've got your yearly goal you've got quarterly you've got monthly you've got weekly and then you've got your daily habits and daily action steps like that's exactly how we did as well um when you have that sort of plan in place it's like right like be patient in the long term but like relentless on so the daily actions day in day out to the, they achieve that and um yeah that's kind of that's kind of my approach it's like great aim big, go big, but have a fucking plan to get there, like, and understand the inputs that are needed to get there, rather than just fucking looking at this end goal and have it in front of the end goal, how the fuck am I going to get there? Like?
0: Dara, yeah. what would you say to athletes yeah. that think they don't need to do all that? That think, ah, oh, I just want to set vague goals, and, and I'm not going to assess, in terms of any metrics, my progress towards those goals, like, what would you say?
2: I'd say if you're If you're absolutely flying it, and, you know, fair play to you, work away. Um, But, again, I think it's probably a lazy way of looking at it. Um, There's always, always going to be room for improvement. So, again, I always go back to it as, like, what's within your control? Um, Setting mini goals and setting bigger goals can give you something to work for. And, actually, you know, you should never think that you're at your peak of what you're doing. Um, you should nearly probably always be striving not in a perfectionist kind of ma- mindset but like just an improvement sort of like small improvements all the time constantly um i would i would if someone came to me and said that i'd probably just say it's it's a lazy a lazy mindset a lazy approach um and it's probably just an easy an easy out to be honest um like it's clear it's it's clear that th- that side of things it improves athletes and all the, all the top athletes and performers in the world are doing it. So, you know, success leaves clues. So, um, I believe anyway, if, if you're an athlete who's actually striving for elite performance or as a club player, the performance of an inter-county athlete, then, um, it's just a small, it's a small thing that you, you should be doing, I suppose. Um, so that's, that's probably, uh, probably, I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what I'd say to them. Um, but it's probably my, my way of looking at it.
0: I think a lot of the time if an athlete comes to a coach, though, they're kind of action-oriented anyway, so like they want to take action and improve, um, be it from mm. an athletic sense or a personal sense as well, so they do see the value in it. Um, some people that might not see the value in it and potentially do need to see the value in it are coaches, and I know a lot of teams are going back for pre-season, off-season, or coming out of the off-season into pre-season over the last couple of weeks and in the next couple of weeks. Although a lot of managers probably want to implement testing in day one, they probably don't even really understand the relevance of testing. They think that it's a, a fear-mongering tactic to get athletes to be afraid um, of how unfit they are so that they'll work a little bit harder and they'll give up the drink. Um, what would be your advice to coaches that don't see the value in goal setting even monthly or quarterly um, and annually? Like, are setting like, okay, we want to... Win the championship. They're only setting outcome goals. They're not really setting process goals at all. Have you any experience with that in the past?
2: Is this a question
1: for me or one? <laughs> <our vote>, neither are, <laughs> but
0: neither you answer it. I never I thought, I,
1: <laughs> I, thought uh, I thought that was for dad because you're asking him. But um, i will I'm packing up our dad's brains going hundred there um, right yeah. I, I suppose we've we've done it in the past. Um, and he's done it with us, and ended it when he was in with us. And obviously, you're looking at your main goal, and you have a priority for the season. Like every team's gonna roughly know where they're at, and they're gonna have a main focus for the season. Um, and then you work backwards from that, and then you understand what needs to go into it. Um, because let's be honest, everyone everyone's goal is to win a fucking championship or to win a league or get get like not get relegated or get promoted, or whatever it is. Um, everyone says they want to win a championship, like everyone's going to have the same goal but you know not everyone's going to win it um i'd say not that i was going to say the ones with the best plan have a better chance but you know you could be you know fighting relegation most years and then you go i'm oh, going to win the championship here and you know realistically are you like um but i do think you need that again it comes back to understanding the inputs understanding what's going to be required to that um and just being ambitious with the goals but I suppose, as I said, you have to fucking aim high too, like. but again, having a process to get there rather than just saying, yeah, we're going to do this and then we're going to win a championship in September, October um, but we're going to run the balls off you here in January. Uh, it's very hard to see that. Like, You want to understand the, the progression and the, how it all fits in the overall planning.
2: I think it probably relates back to what we were talking about in terms of the, the goals for life and business or whatever the year. Like When it comes to Intercounty you've Hundred percent, got goals. you got. You want to get promoted. You want to um, avoid relegation. If you're on track, um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we just want to get back
1: in the pits. <laughs> <yeah>. but
2: the, <laughs> Chewy, the yeah. goals probably go, The goals get smaller. Like you work so far back to even goals within a match of like even just for the first half. You, you nearly like we would. We would have goals and we would review goals then um whether it's you know not turning the ball over whether it's how many frees you're giving away whether it's how many your conversion rates um in terms of your scoring um like you, you have many goals within games you have goals within your conditioning you know if it, you know you do a test to start of the year then you have a goal of improving that by so much percentage you've goals then in your in your, your lifters in the gym how much stronger you're actually getting so um you know i suppose you're nearly always having goals um but not getting too married to them. Being realistic as well, I find in a team is huge. Like, if a manager comes in and has these massive goals of not giving any freeze away in a game or fucking, um, you know, kicking eighteen points in the first half. You know, the whole team looks around at each other and thinks, like, what are you on about? Um, so realistic goals is important within a team setting, especially when it comes to um game situations and and the goals that I was actually talking about. So. Um. Yeah, and then it's about trying to improve those throughout the year. Like, um, we probably base it off how you know what I suppose our stats at the start of the year, and then try and each game improve those small things within games. It's actually giving you a better chance of winning games, and whether that is with with how many frees you're giving away, whether it's how many kickouts you're actually getting away, whether it's the opposition kickouts and trying to turn over a, a, a so much or a percentage of their kickouts. Um. You know, you're always striving for that within games, and then you're reviewing it, which is a big one. And then you're working on it and training each week, and trying to trying to bring those bring those up.
0: And all that we spoke about there, all that you just spoke about there, Dara, is very uh, quantitative, so it's all numbers and stats. And I know um, many pundits would be given out that we're becoming too overly focused on the stats, but they do. If like they give you a better chance of winning the game, but they reduce the risks of and reduce the chances that you're going to lose the game if you can get those relevant statistics up, I guess. But one thing that might be missed is maybe a little bit more qualitative is a lot of um coaches, maybe not at intercounty level, probably not, but at club level they miss the relevance and the importance of setting specific learning objectives at different stages of the season for the team to be able to implement the game plan, the new game plan that they want to come in and implement because they can talk all about statistics and everything. But like if the players don't understand why they're doing it or what they're doing it for, they're going to be less likely to do it. It's that classic thing of the Man United, Marcus Rashford, Uh, He's telling us to run But we don't know What we're running for Like You need to understand The different aspects Of the game And what you're trying To get out of The different aspects Of the game To build back To the type of game That you're trying to play And Another aspect of that, I suppose, that is useful is breaking the game up in terms of tactical periodization and breaking it up to attack, defense, transition to attack, transition to defense. And you should be working on all of those across the season. And you should be emphasizing, similarly to what we do with S&C and vertical integration, you should be emphasizing different aspects of those in different sessions and in different weeks and in different months as you try to improve in terms of that um, relevant kind of aspect of the game i don't think many managers at club level are that systemized it's kind of like what are we working on this week oh we're working on what didn't go well last week and then they end up working on their weaknesses all the time at the expense of what their strengths actually are and then they actually don't end up building towards the game plan at all they end up Uh, working on one aspect of the system or some technical qualities that are uh, maybe languishing and aren't as good in those specific players. Like maybe if it was defensive, it would be just one-on-one tackling or something like that. Um, Have you seen that in a difference between club versus county level? Is it more systemized at county level in terms of you're working towards a specific outcome, the outcome being being able to play the game plan?
1: I definitely think it is the i guess more dialed in and more uh organized i suppose but i would say club level too. like there still is an element of that and they like um they still have that set up and you know it, it's, i think it's just in the lack of probably time that they have you know lots of other jobs they have other commitments um but they still do a very good job of it like and it definitely is but i a club you know obviously some depend on the type of coach the type of manager some setups will do it a lot better um but I think there is that because the step up the county level the professionals and the time that's put in it and can be put in it I do think it's a it is a step above obviously
2: yeah I, I would be the same i I'd imagine though like with the range of clubs across Ireland there's many clubs operating at the at the level of, of inter-county Football. Even when you look at Glen, you look at Kilcoo, like probably operating at a level above a lot of counties, to be honest. Um, So I suppose we can only really speak of our own clubs. When I compare, definitely, of course, Sintra County is, is, is a step above. There's a massive focus on video analysis. There's... You know that's nearly an essential part of your week. Like you don't miss it. Whereas club, it can be a bit more sporadic, and you know it's a bit more vague at times. Um, not that it, it's it's still it's still done to an extent. Um, but again, I think it's it's tougher to get buy-in from players as well at club level. Um, with that side of thing, and um, it's it's obviously tough to get funds to I suppose employ someone to actually fully do it week in week out. Um. So, yeah, definitely it's, it's focused on Masfordshire County level. Um, but I'd say in the next probably three or four years, it's probably going to get to that level of club with most clubs in Ireland.
0: 100%. And I think it doesn't even need to be that in terms of sitting down and going through video, even though I've seen that happen at club level for the last few years. And, and it does. like People do, even almost to the detriment of the... Actual session because you end up sitting in there for an hour, an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half going through video every single video. Whereas realistically, we know like from school, maybe three points is probably enough. Like, so let's look at three pieces of key video, learn three things off them even before the session and then go out and implement them on the pitch uh, in the follow on session. Rather than what is often done is you'll do the session, then you'll go in and you'll watch video on your opponents, and you learn all about what your opponents should be doing. Now, some of it will be on your own team as well. Um, but I, I see the conversations going on a little bit too long, maybe, at times, even though you have to have a conversation. Um, I think you get better at the sport by playing the sport. And one thing that still continues to perplex me about pre-season in GAA at club level is if you are a footballer or a hurler, you enjoy playing football and hurling. But for some reason, coaches think we're going to leave the footballs in the bags in the back of the van till February, uh, March, lads. We're just going to go out there and we're going to run the bollocks out of you and we're going to get you up in the gym and get you really, really strong. Like, why does that happen, lads? And do you agree with it? Or do you not agree with it? Or do you actually think elements of skill work should be being built into training early on in the pre-season? We'll go on first.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, keep the main thing the main thing you know the main thing is playing the sport is performing on the pitch come game day like you hear the cliche fucking "Ah, this sort of trend these are the days that win a championship and it's fucking pissing raining and the middle of december or fucking january pitches like a bog like uh that uh, annoys me like um obviously there's an element you have to do the work you have to do the running you have to get your body up to a certain level that you can Handle the demands that are going to be thrown at us in season. Um, so in preseason and off season, you TV, you want to go above and beyond that. Um, so I do understand that, and I understand the the importance of it. Like that's our whole job, and that's the whole message I'm preaching to every athlete and coaching. But now that we're coming back into preseason and and going back into teams, it's 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 finding that blend between the two. It's having getting enough SNC work done, um, but not to the extent that it's taken away from actual performance on the pitch. Now, obviously, we can continue to push things a wee bit harder over the next couple of months here until, you know, we get to games because your your goal is to be at your peak for game day one and carry that through the rest of the season. Um, obviously, you know, championship's the main one, but, you know, I think everyone should aim for being at peak or close enough to peak throughout the whole season. Um, So, yes, it's not losing sight of the main thing, keeping the main thing the main thing, but, you know, people do go... Either way, they'll do little work, or they'll go and do lots of work, and then it can become a numbers game. We need to hit this distance, we need to hit that volume, we need to hit this, and, and then the skills are completely forgotten about. And then first game comes, yes, you're fit, you're able to run about, but you know you've given the ball away fifteen times, you've conceded fucking three goals. Um, like what's the point? Like, uh, you need to find that blend, you need to find that balance. I agree. Before
0: before I move on to getting the forward's opinion on it, which is the one we actually care about. I'm a forward at heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I'll just ca- say as a caveat to what you just said there, own is any team that I've been involved in when we've lost in championship, we've never lost because we were less fit and we weren't fit enough to keep up with the other team. The conversations afterwards have been always about they were so good at implementing their game plan, we couldn't get around it. They were so good at this, they were so good at that. It's never been, Jesus. I'd say he bench presses 120 kilo, kilos. He's a massive fella. Like, or I'd say he could run a decent uh, 1k, one kilometer time. Like, it, it's always game plan. So, like, yeah. it's your implementation of the game plan, which is obviously bled bled into by your skills. Um, which is why we want to hear if Dara does implement any skills in the off season and the preseason. Maybe not when he's in Bali, but since he's home, always when I was fit. <laughs> <laughs> um. But I honestly,
2: I just think in most clubs, like you see it, Owen and yourself probably gets it regularly. It's just like we're working with club players and it's still like overemphasized massively, like the conditioning side of things. Like, as you mentioned, when is a game ever lost because the team wasn't fit enough when to get to the championship stage? You're fit enough. Like you just simply are. You've played. You've played games week in, week out all year. You've done your bits of conditioning and preseason alongside your ball work. What separates the teams is the level of skill and is the game plan, and then obviously a bit of maybe, um, mental fatigue come towards the end of games. Um, but I just think like if you're going out and you're running lads without a ball. And even if you're doing sessions where there's five or ten minutes of football and forty minutes running preseason, you're just missing out on a massive, a, a massive part of the year where you could actually get players' skill level up 20 percent, um, and have them in a much better position. I suppose. And no one mentioned it as well. Like in the first few games of preseason, when a team has does come in and they've done two months of absolute dogging, but they give the ball away twenty times, they kick fourteen wides. They've three men sent off. Um <laughs> They like then the manager turns around and he goes, Right, we still aren't fit. Like we're we're simply not yeah. enough. We're we're getting beat by twenty points. Every man's absolutely fucked here running back. But the reason you're fucked is because you haven't worked on the footballing side of things, on your game plan and your kickouts um, on how you attack and how you defend. So every man is just completely gassed. So yeah, like of course we're going to work on building load in the off season. Of course we're going to work on that, you know, when, when, when the football comes back in and um, when the team, when obviously team training starts. Um, But you have to have a blend. Like you have to have a blend and you're going to get loads from, you know, small sided games. You're going to get loads from even just, you know, in house games in, in pre season. Um, and then where you're going to get the extra percentages is with you know the speed, the the game speed that you talk about a lot, mm-hmm. um, with game-like situations, um, actually practicing taking a man on one v one. You know, small things like that. There is where you're going to get the most benefit and where players are actually going to improve the most. Um, so yeah, if you know, there's still a lot of old-school coaches involved,
0: um, from what I see. I think what's what's missed in terms of even the word fitness is, like, the connotation of fitness, it, it, you think, like, how fast can he run, how far can he run, and how good shape he is, like, in aesthetically. Whereas, like, fitness is, like, your fitness to implement the, the game plan. It's, are you fit for purpose? So the first question yeah. any conditioning coach or strength conditioning coach or performance coach should ask the head coach is, okay, what sort of game plan do you want to play this year? Because similarly to what we talked about with the goals, you've got to work backwards from that and develop the qualities necessary to play that game plan. And the coaches should be doing the same thing in terms of technical skills and in terms of um, tactical skills with the athletes that what constitutes and makes up their ability to play that overall game plan. And if all your players... If you want to play a kick-pass game, but all your players can't kick off both feet um, at pace and under pressure, then maybe you should be working on that in the preseason because it's not going to happen overnight if you just uh, turn up to the first game, as you said, with a six-pack and ready to run a smash in one kilometre time. Like, it's not going to have any relevance of your um, ability to implement the game plan. So, like... I think those are the conversations that are really valuable, and they're the most valuable conversations from a coach's perspective, but a head coach and a conditioning or strength and conditioning coach perspective as well is when the S and C coach or the performance coach shows an interest in trying to understand the game. That's generally the ones that are going to be successful. But anyway, we're up to the hour now, so. I know we could go all day, and we will, but we'll be back next week for another episode. I think next week we're going to go through the Q and A questions that all of the uh, listeners have been sending in, which are really, really good. Daryl have a chance to look at them then as well. I, was just, um, I was but,
1: just about to say, will be keep him in the dark. I'm just going to call out a few there and put him on the spot, but we'll see him next week. He's he's logged in. 100%. He's logged into the Instagram
0: account. He's there to see. A hundred percent. Okay, lads. Good conversation. Anybody, anything to wrap up, or are we all happy to be back?
1: Nah, good to be back. Back.
2: <laughs> nah, brilliant to be back. Yeah, looking forward to next week. I'll I'll keep away from the questions. Top of, so.
1: top of the charts in twenty twenty four. Here, that's we're, we're, we're going there for it.
0: There we go. Personal goal number one. All right, lads. Thanks a million. to you next week.
1: Season up. Cheers. There. Good
2: luck.